Welcome into Southside Pod. My name is Chris Lanuti, bellying up to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one as we sit in the basement on the south side of Chicago and cover everything in the area that matters most to you. Today, in 30 minutes, we travel to Crete, Illinois, and visit with Evil Horse Brewing. We talk to a Southside author who has written a book about the multiple times he's been blown up. And that's not on his cell phone, that's actually exploded. And we're going to get a bite to eat. Lots of people help out on this show. You may hear Hannah Beth, my wife Erica, Acoustic Mike if you hear an acoustic guitar, and this guy's always sitting down here at the bar. Bill, we're going to a brewery today to start things off. Do you think they ever had like, you know, like you see these like, you know, I'm not super keen on a lot of breweries, like a lot of uh, uh, of how microbrews work and stuff like that. You're, you're uh, more keen on that than I have, but you see these giant vats of where they make the beer. Are there ever times where they just, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put that ingredient in there? Yes. And do they, A, get rid of it? Or do they, B, like, kind of label it like, oh, this is like, you know, do they try to sell it? I guess I'm asking. I have talked with brewers before, and I'm not going to say the brewery because I've been giving it away. Sure. But they're brewers that you'll hear on the show. Because if they, if you haven't they heard they try them, to position it as something weird but quirky and fun. And every you once buy in a while, they'll do that. Okay. But a lot of them have said almost the same thing to me. Like, you want to talk about the bad batch that I had that one time? Do you want to talk about when my dog died too? Like, it's that upsetting to me. Wow. Like, they, it's like I, you spend a bunch of money, you I'm put a lot sure, of time into yeah. something, you taste it at the end, you go, I can't give this to anybody. Like, wow. that happens sometimes. And then, and, and then it throws off the whole thing, especially for the small breweries. Yeah, Like, course. a lot of places you're going to hear on Southside That's Pod. That's a big hit for somebody. Yeah, like we're not talking brewery. about, like, we'll probably eventually make our way to Lagunitas yeah. and hang out there. But most of these places. a bad batch, and they're like, eh, whatever. Right. You this know? is a huge hit for them. <laughs> this is like an empty tap that was supposed yeah. to be there. So it makes them look like they're not as good of a brewery because they have less selection available to them. And it's also a ton of money they put into it and time. So they get very frustrated with that. So I know some brewers during the pandemic got rid of the complicated beers because they couldn't afford to have bad batches. Okay. So there hasn't been a lot of experimentation. So they're keeping it safe. Yes. They're, they're, they have not done Which anything I understand. really crazy. Like, for example, I'll, I'll throw one out there, Open Outcry on 109th and Western in uh, Morgan Park neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. John Brand over there, great guy. I know that John, I was talking to him over like the holiday season. And I was like, well, what are you, what are you doing? And why are, you know, are you going to make a, I, I think I, I was like, are you going to make a, a winter ale or a Christmas ale? And he goes, they're so complicated. And they take up so much room that I would have to spend more money and do like all this, like, like it would take up a ton of my space in my tanks. Like and to I me, can, like I can do that off. in a regular year, but I can't do that in a pandemic where I'm already worried about making sure that none of my people lose their jobs and I can keep the place open with all the restrictions. So we're not doing a winter ale this to year. To me, like, like just make know. a regular beer and throw like a wreath and like a stocking in there. <laughs> and then it's like, right? Just a pine cone? Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe a single pine cone, a you'd snowball. Be, you'd be a great brewer. Uh, that'd be awful. <laughs> terrible. Like the way you talk about bad batches, like I'd be bad batch brewing. That'd be my, my, my brewer name. I think you should copyright that name immediately. <laughs> like, that's amazing. The, the beer for no one. <laughs> a pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. I have finally made it to Evil Horse Brewing. It is quite 
a journey to the end of the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail. Amy and Steve Camp are here. Steve is the brewmaster. Amy seems to be the brains of the operation. Steve did not dispute that in any way whatsoever. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. There are a lot of children running around this place. This is, a, is this like a, normally a, a family thing or is this like a more of a, a beer thing? Like how would you classify your brewery and your, your, you know, when people come in here? Well, we're a very family friendly and pet friendly brewery. Dogs can come too. Dogs too. Dogs and kids, that could be an interesting combination with beer. Hell, you can bring your cat if you want. No, come on now. Stop being ridiculous. Okay, so before we get into some of the things with the beer, Steve's telling me this story, and I kind of wanted him to, to bring it back up again because I found it fascinating. I, I We've talked to a lot of different breweries in Chicago and some outside of Chicago area, and nobody has brought this up. The water in Crete was not up to your standards, so you make your own water. Tell me about this. So we do. So if you're in Chicago, you have perfect water. Lake Michigan water, Chicago water is perfect brewing water. But the village of Crete has five different wells, so you don't know from day to day which well the water is coming from. So there's various amounts of tannins and calcium carbonate and iron and sulfur and on any given day the water might be different so what we do is we run all the water through a reverse osmosis system store the water and then we we inject minerals back into it to make it appropriate brewing water and then each batch of beer we do we actually add minerals to the mash tun to make the water um, acclimate to the like region where the beer style originates from it's like you're brewing beer on the hardest level possible. Compared to what a normal brewer has to do, how much longer and how much extra work would you say it adds on to the process for you? Um, the machines pretty much do the work on the water. It's just we have to manually fill our hot liquor tank, which draws the water. So we have a 45-barrel cold water, cold liquor tank, and then a 45-barrel hot liquor tank, which has to be manually filled. There's no manual on and off, so it doesn't add a lot of manual labor to it other than you have to remember to shut the thing off because let's just say it's been forgotten a few times. And then, uh, <laughs> and then you walk in and it's like, ah, crap, there's a lake in the back. <laughs> Where did this idea come from? Where did the, to open up a brewery in Crete, like... How did it get to this point now where I walk in, you got a beautiful bar and a really nice area, dartboards, you got you got shirts up everywhere and merchandising. This is you tell you, you came up with this? Well, so I've been a home brewer since 1983. And the beautiful thing with the whole place is, is Amy worked for the marketing company that did a lot of the interior decorating and also did our shirts and all that stuff. So I walked in the brewery one day and it's like, holy crap, there's Amy DeYoung. She grew up a, a half a block from me in Palos Heights when she was a teenager. She was my sister's best friend. So the actual, the idea for the brewery, uh, some friends of mine owned the building. It's a former bowling alley. They, I've made wine with some of them and oh, they've had my beer over the years. The building sat vacant for a long time and they wanted to purpose the building. So the idea of a brewery came up. Um, the brewery idea was great when we first thought of it, but now there's like another 3,000 breweries that have opened since we opened. So 
it's getting to be quite a tight market. But so basically, there was sort of a necessity to, to fill the building with a tenant, which we became, and uh, the rest is history. That's awesome. So take me through the menu and the beers that, that you're most proud of here. I mean, like, what, what if somebody comes to Evil Horse here in, in Crete, what would you want them to make sure that they try? There's got to be one or two that you're like, we do this, we do it really good, this is our, this is our calling card. So we pretty much do a wide selection of beers, uh, mo- and mostly traditional beer styles. We don't do a lot of fruit beers. Uh, we've done some kettle sours before. So we have a lot of traditional beer styles. Right now, our Hefeweizen, I'm most probably proud of that one. I don't know, they're all my children, so I love all 14 of them. <laughs> when, when you're looking around at this place, Amy, and you see what it is right now, take me through if somebody comes and shows up at the brewery, like what's available to them? You got food, it looks like it's available. If you got an agreement with somebody, it's upstairs. Brag a little bit for me. Well, we wanted it to be as community friendly as absolutely possible. We just have envisioned it to be a community hangout. I love the place, I, uh, I love the beer. Uh, I'm going to sit here and have several of them. I, I, I drove out here, so I'm definitely having a few of them. We're looking forward to seeing you guys at, at the end of the night on the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail. And uh, again, I would have never even have gotten here if it wouldn't have been for that trail. That's a great idea, and I think it's a really cool thing for the South Side. I know you guys were instrumental in it. Uh, thanks for bringing it to the South Side. We're excited about it. We've had so many people come in here because of that. And it has just been a ton of fun meeting new guests. It's Steve and Amy Camp. This is Evil Horse Brewing. Make sure you make it a stop when you're going around and checking out breweries. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over Of beer. You've come up with a brilliant idea, my friend. I let's ex- I, let's expound. I don't this. know if we can air this. Let's just, let's just take Should a moment. We keep let's, this to ourselves. No, no. no let's let's All just right. take a moment here and let's just kind of expand on this idea. Let's talk with our listeners and let's okay. keep this on the south side. By the yeah. Way. Oh, this yeah, is definitely going to stay on the south side. This is going to be us. Definitely going to stay on the south side. Here's the deal. All right. What you do is you open up a place. It's called Bad Batch. Right? Bad Batch Brewing. And then what you do is you have a tagline that says. The beer for no one. The beer for no one. And then and then have something written on the menu like only the best palates find these beers to taste good. Yeah. Something that no almost refunds. There's no refunds and <laughs> <laughs> no refunds. And if you don't like it, you're obviously yeah. not a beer drinker. GTFO. And, right. right. <laughs> exactly. And then what you do is you get all these people that pride themselves and they sniff the beer ahead of time right. and do all this stuff. And they'll come in and they're gonna taste it. It's gonna suck. Oh my and they'll be choking what it did down. What do you do? Like I put my dog's feces in it. <laughs> like, oh, I can taste that. I feel it on my did palate. Your dog, did your dog have dry dog food? <laughs> Right, they'll be asking, did you feed him raw meat? Does he have a, does he have a salmon diet? Like, this is a Right, like yes. <laughs> and they'll pay for it. Absolutely. And that would work on the, no I don't know, refund. that wouldn't work on the south side. That would work on the north side. Oh, right. On the north side, you could do that in the Lincoln, you could do that in the Lincoln Park neighborhood. They'd be lined up out the door with their beards and their and their their special mug that they that will charge them two fifty for. Bring your mug. Yeah, you get your special Bad Batch Brewing mug. It's two hundred fifty dollars. You get right. an extra ounce of beer. It's in not it. even a mug. It's like one of my old shoes. <laughs> Here, take this thing. 
<laughs> I haven't worn it in years. I'm gonna sing this one pretty fast, and I'm sorry if I'm Russian. I'm gonna sing this one pretty fast, and I'm sorry that I'm Russian. But I'm gonna drink some vodka and talking about Sputnik, 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 and Russia. Russian thing I can think of Shirtless on a bear Wrestling with a bear Gorbachev had a birthmark And it was shaped like Kind of like their symbol on their flag Or at least Mad Magazine used to do that Remember like Alfred E. Newman had that and then, then. Sorry if I'm Russian Oh Southside Pod listeners If you ever want to give us a call There's a 24-7 answering service just call up 708-459-8406. Leave a message. Be part of the show. Joining us remotely right now, Hannah Beth, another member of the show we can introduce you to. Now, I like having her down here at the bar, but she wouldn't come down here. And would it? I'm disappointed <laughs> in you because you would have enjoyed the guests that I have sitting here right now. I know. But you went to some kind of concert in Indiana and you told me that there were like a billion people packed in. Nobody was wearing a mask and you're all freaked no. out. I told you you could come over. You didn't want to come over. No, I wasn't. Yeah, no, it was it was bad. <laughs> like I stayed up against the back wall, but like, no, the, not the not the deputies that were working security. None of the staff at the place. I mean, nobody had a mask on and they were just moshing and. All together, and I'm just sitting. I don't know. Like, I've read what? the I've read the research. I don't think you can catch COVID from mashing. I believe that's on the list of things that prevent it. <laughs> the virus dies when it violently is thrown up against another human being while rock music. I wish I'd known that. I would have jumped in there. You should have jumped right in there. Instead, now you're at risk. Uh, Eric Herrera sits down at the bar with me. Eric, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. I appreciate you coming in here. A veteran of the U.S. Army. And he has written a book here during COVID. He started this thing in March. And I'm going to tell you the title. And that's going to tell you all you need to know about what he used to do for the army. You ready for this? Okay. Yes. A bomb hunter's story. My life clearing the roads of Iraq. Oh, dude. I know. And he's he lives here in dude. Evergreen Park. Right, Eric? Yes, I want to read it. <laughs> and you self-published this, right? That was, I want to jump right into why you self-published it. Because everybody wants to write a book. Everybody thinks they have a story. You clearly have a story. Okay, I mean, yours is the one I actually want to read. Everybody else is like, oh, I had this great thing happen to me in my life. Yeah, whatever. Yours looks interesting <laughs> to me, and I can't wait to tear through it. But you decided to self-publish. Tell me why you decided to do that. Um, one of the things with self-publishing, you could write whatever you want, and no one could tell you what to do. If I went through a publishing company, they could have picked at it, took things out, put things in, and that is definitely not what I wanted to happen. You wanted to tell the true story of everything. That was my whole point of it, and uh, after years of keeping silent about it, I wanted everyone to know what actually happened. Now, are you currently still in the the army, or are you, did you decide, did you get like a discharge? Have you, are you done with your career? Are you still in there? It took some time off to write the book? I joined in 2005, and I got out in 2010. Okay, so you were in there for five years, and you were clearing you were clearing bombs. So we were talking before we went on the air, Hannah. And can you think of a Hollywood movie that would deal with this? Just just off the top of your head, do you remember there was one that, that dealt with this? Clearing bombs? Yeah. No, the Hurt Locker. Oh, it was like I a never, big I never movie. Saw it. it was up for an Academy Award. It was all this stuff. And I'm talking to Eric before, and he goes, "No, none of that's true, right? Why? Why wasn't it true, Eric?" Um. 
because I worked with those guys, and uh, I would go out and I would call them to come out and clear the bombs. So you would find them first. So how do you hunt a bomb? Like, are you driving around looking for things that make you think that's an IED? That's that's something that was set up to to, to blow up a, a vehicle going by, or that's set up as an ambush for our troops? Or are you using like special equipment? Or are you getting tips from people? Like, hey, I hear or that dogs. they're, they're yeah, planning on doing. Yeah, how do you hunt a bomb? We would be going on mission every day. Some missions would be between eight and twelve hours, going five miles an hour down the road, looking out the window. And and what do wow. you tr- what do you try to spot? Because it, that that's what's. To me, like I saw that movie, and I and I get why. I mean, I was telling him, Hannah, like nine one one dispatch for ten years, right? Four mm-hmm. years of supervisor. I won't watch the TV show nine one one because it's all bull. Like that's not what right. a nine one one center is. It's that's it's all a joke. That isn't how this works. That's not not how any of this stuff works. So he probably feels the same way. But from my recollection, just from the movie, because that's all I have to go off of. I never was deployed. I I never served this country. And if I didn't say it at the beginning, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. How, what are you looking for? Something out of place? Were there things that you said, uh-oh, slow down, that might be something? Number one thing is you look for something out of place. But as you know, the enemy adapts. In Baghdad, which where I was my first deployment, there's literally trash everywhere. So if you go down the streets here in Chicago, the medians filled with trash. Imagine that. Just oh my God. garbage bags, everything. And a lot of times they would hide stuff in those trash piles. Um, sometimes we'd even come across uh, dead dogs that bombs were stuffed in them. They'd be lying on the side of the road. Wow. I mean, so if you were driving and you pass, you know, the median or whatever that would have like just the bags of trash, would you stop and inspect that? Or would you just kind of hope and pray that there's nothing in it? Like, did you have to search everything? Yeah. I mean, is it like a feeling you go, that dog doesn't look right. It looks like somebody stuffed. I mean, like that. I mean, it must be a feeling at some point you start to get just kind of like how I can anticipate I was able to anticipate what was going on on the phone call, let's say, in 911. I'd be like, this guy's full of it, or this this person's telling a story. There's something more here. You get the hairs on the back of your neck. Is that pretty much how it went? Yeah, our, our lead vehicle would be the most vigilant. Um, they would be scanning the sides of the roads. Even other people in the rest of the convoy would be looking. Um, going five miles an hour, you could see some stuff. And doing this every day for eight to 12 hours a day, we would get to a point where we knew a piece of trash was moved because we'd seen it every single day. That's how ad- adaptive we got, which is crazy. A couple of us would even dream of trash because that's all we would see every day. Hannah, you remember this much differently than I do because okay. you come from Louisiana and you are a well, huge yeah. Saints fan, right? Well, yeah. So you didn't even watch the Super Bowl the year that the Bears defeated the Saints at Soldier Field, and went on to go play the Colts. You were basically done with football, I imagine, at that point, after the embarrassment that the Saints faced from the Chicago Bears. I just want a yes or no answer on that one. Remember that? Remember when the Bears just just trashed the Saints? What year was that? That was like in 06, 07, somewhere along there. Like the Bears played the the Saints. Yeah, yeah, they and, destroyed yeah, him, and then we went. We went on to the Super Bowl. Remember, Dude, Devin Hester. Were so nasty reti- to us. Right, Dev- were so yeah, nasty no, you know, to you're fans. just a sore loser. But but Devin Hester returns the opening kickoff. Uh, Chicago just, sports just, just, fans. What, what's the point? What's the point? Remember all of this. What? We all remember this time period very differently than Eric, because I was looking through oh. his book, and that yeah. was the date that you were first blown up. Am I saying? Am I? Am I basically giving this uh, correctly? You actually had an encounter. Wow. And uh, you missed the game. 
or at least most of the game because of an incident. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, at this time we we uh, adapted to what the enemy was doing. So we actually had one-man vehicles that would go lead the convoy. Sad thing about it, that's technically bait for the enemy. It's better to have one casualty than four casualties. Wow. Talking about the traffic cone, uh, there was a bunch of traffic cones on the side of the road, uh, and it ended up blowing up on my vehicle. That has to be an experience like no other that I can't even imagine. The name of the book is A Bomb Hunter's Story, My Life Clearing the Roads of Iraq. Eric Herrera is an Evergreen Park guy. Uh, he is uh, a hero, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything other than that because he's clearly a hero. Just looking at his story, and when can people get their hands on this book and read about your exploits, Eric? Right now, it's on uh, Amazon, uh, either through Kindle or paperback. So it looks like it's a good read, Kindle or I'm paperback. A bomb hunter's story. You know, you got Hannah already. I'm sure we'll get many other people that will read it. It's absolutely incredible. And Eric, you are welcome on this show anytime you want to stop by, my friend. I appreciate any time you need me. <laughs> we'll have you over some other time. We'll sit down. We'll we'll ha- we'll have a few pops, and, uh, and and I'll let you tell stories. How's that? I got plenty of stories. <laughs> what are you doing right now? You're working on uh, what am I keto. Doing? Are you ketoing down there, Bill? You were a keto guy, right? Or I are was. you still? No, I can't do it anymore. You gave it up? No, no, no. It you worked. Failed. No, it worked really well. I did it. It worked really well. Okay. And then a couple of years ago, I had this stomach surgery, and it, the what it did is it, it shortened the space between my mouth and my stomach because I they had to fix something. I had acid reflux, and I was a mess. Right? Probably because of the fact that I have the same eating habits as ninety five percent of our listeners. <laughs> sure. So I, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to have to do this at some right. point in our area. Okay. And then the problem is because it's compressed, the nerves will feel acid in one part of my stomach. You're way too scientific, by the way. And make it feel like it's in my throat. <laughs> long story short. Just say you failed, man. <laughs> long, long story short. If I don't have carbs, I get I get acid. Like, okay. I need bread oh, to okay. soak up the acid. Okay. That's basically where I'm at. So I liked keto. I did that one time, and I lost weight. But now it's it just doesn't work for me. So I have to find a way to lose weight. Because I put on a ton during this COVID thing. I mean, right. That's, I mean, for like, I have to lose uh, a ton three of months now. ago, I, I decided that I'm drinking way too much coffee. I was only like an iced coffee guy. You know, I'd go to the Dunkin' Ice once coffee. in a while. Take yourself out back and slap yourself. No, you know, you know what I'm saying. Ice coffee. I'm not talking. I didn't put no peppermint in there. You get a little whipped cream no, in there. What do they call that? <laughs> Pumpkin spice? I wasn't all about that. You know, God. just black. <laughs> First rule. First rule of Southside Pod. Nothing pumpkin spice. No. I refuse to review any pumpkin spice beer. <laughs> <laughs> or, or talk about anything that is turned in, that that pumpkins is used in. But I never drunk. I, ne- I never drunk. Never drank. Good enough. Uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> just a podcast. I never never drank uh, regular hot coffee. I just drank iced coffee once in a while, like in the afternoon. Right. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts after two two thirty was a buck. Right. So how how could you go wrong? There you go. So. I started uh, getting maybe two a day, and then I would get. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fireman. I'd go to the, the firehouse and I'd get a uh, hot coffee in the morning. And I, you know, oh, I needed coffee after dinner. And I was like, I'm drinking way too much coffee. And it would be great if it was just, you know, just coffee. But I put a lot of sugar in it. So I was like, I'm going to stop coffee. Then I said, I'm going to stop drinking pop. I you know, love Dr. Pepper. I stopped drinking pop. So I just drank water for like three months straight. Right. Still to this day. Right. Except for tonight when I'm drinking a little bit of 
Yeah. A you, kettle, you got, kettle you got, one. You got, you got, <laughs> a little kettle one. You know what? Here's the thing. A little you, absolute. Here's the deal. I love that you... You know how south side I am, by the way? Yeah. This is the, this is, I'm going to come clean. This is a kettle one bottle that I'm holding in my hand right here. Uh-huh. We got this as a gift. I could <laughs> never buy this. <laughs> but it had like nothing in it. I'm like, I'm going to drink more than that tonight. So I poured my bottle of Svedka into it. <laughs> Thiefi Fam, who is the owner, is sitting with us at the table right now. I got to tell you, when you drive down the street on Kedzie Avenue, you think that's a martini bar because it's a martini glass, right? But then you come in here, and the um, first of all, the selections, there's, a, there's an amazing amount of different selections of not only the martinis, but the food. How would you describe your restaurant? It's clearly Asian influence. But what would you, if you, if nobody had ever been here before, how would you describe what you offer as a menu? Yes, uh, we like like Asian Asian fusion. So we fifty percent Thai and like thirty percent French. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Vietnamese and a toast of French. Yeah, a toast of French. But we. We mix. We not do straight Thai or straight Vietnamese. I I I I mix like I'm Vietnamese, so I mix my food with Thai and a little French and Vietnamese. So I mix together. So that's why you see the difference. Not like the other Thai restaurant or yeah. You can really tell that in the flavors. I mean, the lemongrass was wonderful. Like, I never experienced that before. So I can tell in the flavors that you're mixing different um, food, like flavors of food together. So it's a great experience. And my food, like, people think Thai food super spicy. But my, like, I do medium. But I can kick it up if you want more spicy, like Thai style. But my, but I, like... So you can handle with the wine and the, you can balance with wine and martini. So that's why I do like like medium way. It seems like you love martinis. Personally, I love to mix drink. All the book, all the drink in the book that I mix up and then I change the menu very often. Like I, I even do the martini testing every every month, like twice a month. Yeah. You do martini testing? Yeah. Sounds like you have a pretty good job there. That's the perks of being the owner. So yeah, so I love, I love drinking. That's why, and I love cooking too. But the mo- my more major that that the martini, I love to mix a different flavor and di- create some different thing. People never think like margarita with whiskey. I love margarita and I love whiskey. I had that, and I have never seen a margarita with whiskey. Yes. And I was looking at it, and I said, "Oh, I have to try a margarita with whiskey." Yes, that's what I, I love, whiskey. How much of this is a family affair? Because you said a lot of these recipes are homemade. Do you have other family that's that's working here? I mean, are you saying it like recipes were our family recipes? Explain the homemade aspect to me. Yes, and my husband cooking in the kitchen too. My husband here and my sister back. You got your husband working in the back. Yes, and but not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but when we first opened, we both in the kitchen. And then, uh, but now I, I just had a baby, so that's why my husband with my, my baby right now. Oh, okay. And my sister back to the bar, so I can be outside, talk to the people. You got the sister behind the bar? Yes, yes, my sister back <laughs> in the bar too. Yes. 
what would you say? Come in and try what? What would it be? Yes, if we were thinking about Thai food, you should try the pad thai, and 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 the ribs. That's good. Well, those ribs were great. <laughs> Thank you. And the sea bass. That's good. The sea bass with the Chilean sea bass with the um, ginger soy glaze. And uh, spicy lemongrass, scallop, and shrimp, that's good. I love lemongrass, I don't know why. I want to say thank you very much for letting us come and eat at your restaurant. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for coming over here. want to thank Thiefy Farm and the family for having us over to Thiefy's. That's at 9144 South Kedzie Avenue. They've got ample parking, a really nice little bar, huge martini menu, and a great selection of food. I think she did a pretty good job hanging in there on that interview as well. Make them a place you're going to check out currently open. You're listening to Southside Pod. For Southsiders, by Southsiders. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at southsidepod.com. But you're one of those guys that likes to mix your, like you don't drink liquor straight up, do you? No, not See, anymore. See, I become a bourbon guy and I, I'll drink it on a rock. Like, I enjoy that. Like, I, yeah. when I did the first time I tried to do keto and Atkins and all that other stuff, and it worked really well for me, I didn't like the diet stuff. I just didn't like the no, taste No, no, I agree with you. So to me, I was like, I'm going to train myself to be able to drink liquor straight, which is, of course, a very, very strong, healthy thing to figure out how to do. Right, like, yeah. I'm going to make sure I drink all the booze. Right. I'm not fat anymore, but I'm a horrible alcoholic. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> So yeah, I got so, that going for me. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, give a little, get a little, right? Okay. So, <laughs> so, so but you gotta I, die of something. <laughs> I'd rather die of booze. Like I, like here's think about yeah, it this you way: want, you want to die of fatness? You want to die drunk? What's the better thing to die of? Fat, where you, where you, you were bending over to tie your shoelaces, got frustrated because you couldn't right. reach them, fell over, hit your head, broke your neck, or, or. Drunk, drunk and you fell over and you fell over and, and hit trying your head. to broke your neck. <laughs> I think drunk hitting your head is Absolutely. better than, you than feel fat. It. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, that, yeah. People would be like, "Well, that was stupid," but I've been that drunk before. So right, I, I've been I mean, there. I, we've all been there. It's just bad luck for him. Right. But if like I fell over because I ate too much and tried to reach my shoelaces and that's horrible. And broke my neck. That's bad. That would be bad. Right? Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll. See See you next week on the nudist basement. On the nudist basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudist basement. Broadcast Basement The Nudist Basement The Broad Basement Slancha That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? (laughs) I felt like it.